0: And message tonight I'm calling when believers, or why believers need Bethel. Why we need the house of God. Genesis chapter 35 and verse six. So Jacob came to Luz, which is in the land of Canaan. And that is Bethel. He and all the people that were with him. And he built there an altar and called the place El Bethel, because there God appeared unto him when he fled from the face of his brother. Uh, We're considering Jacob's life because God changed Jacob from uh, that name that means a trickster, a con man, a person who lives by his own devices and his own wits, uh, into Israel, a person who has the power of God, uh, who like a prince has prevailed with God. That was Israel. And uh, we come tonight uh, to the fact that God is sending Jacob uh, back to Bethel. Because you see, from the moment that we become a believer in Christ, a couple of things happen. Uh, Number one, we are indwelled by the Spirit because we have been purchased by God and we become a new creation in Christ Jesus. Amen. Isn't that a great thing? Uh, But while that is also true, it's true, it is also true uh, that this world, in a sense, is no longer our home. We don't belong in this world anymore. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 19 says that our body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with the price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. 1 Peter 1 and 17, if you call on the Father, and we do, who without respect to persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning, your pilgrimage, he says, with fear. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11, dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against the soul. Uh, We're not our own. Uh, We belong to God now, and we really don't fit in the world anymore. Uh, We've been purchased back to God, but we don't look at our salvation and say, okay, that's settled. I've done that, been there, got that. Uh, That's it. No, because God is still working to change us. Uh, Salvation is not an experience. Salvation is an event. All right. Uh, We don't get saved -er as we go along. That doesn't happen. It's not a process. It is an event. And when you are saved, you are saved as you're ever going to be saved. Oh, but that process of changing us. To become more of what God intends for us to be. Now that's a lifelong experience. And we've seen how that has played out in Jacob's life. As uh, God sent him in a way. Met with him in Bethel. He went down then to his uncle Laban. Spent all those many years down there. uh, Coming back then for that encounter with Esau. And then finally back to the land of promise. But just barely. Settled down in Shechem, just right on the border. He was in the land of Israel. Built a house there. Strange thing for a pilgrim to do in those days. Shechem. But Now God is getting him out of there. All the terrible things that happened there in Shechem, they were to be put behind him. And he sends him back to Bethel. Now Bethel of course means the house of God but you notice in our text that it's not just Bethel anymore it's El Bethel and now he's talking about the God of the house of God. Uh, His emphasis changes you see it's not just on the house of God anymore but it's about who he meets there and you know that needs to be our focus too. Uh, And that is uh, the house of God but yes let's think about the God of the house of God and as New Testament believers the concept of the house of God plays out in two ways. Uh, First of all, uh, the house of God refers to the church. And we see that in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, uh, that we are to know how to behave ourselves or conduct ourselves in the house of God. And that is the church of God. Uh, One just like this one. This church is a house of God. But he also tells us in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood. To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable God through Jesus Christ. You see, uh, every one of us as individual believers are also a house, a dwelling place of God because of the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. Uh, Jacob was living just over into Canaan's land. A lot of things that they had in Shechem, a lot of things that brought with them out of Laban's house, were not appropriate in Bethel. If you read back in uh, in the chapter, you'll find that he required them to remove all of the idolatrous images that they'd picked up along the way. And that included their jewelry, their earrings, and their necklaces. Um, you know, it's strange sometimes. Uh, uh, Christian people, when you look at Christian people, you'll see a lot of us wearing a, a cross. Maybe I don't wear any jewelry. I, I can't handle jewelry. My skin just don't let me. Have it. I don't wear a watch. None of that. Y'all figured that out by now. I don't have any earrings. I gave up on them a long time ago. I had them. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I don't do any jewelry, but uh, uh, it's always been kind of strange, you know, when you look around and, and you see, not that it's strange that people wear crosses, but uh, we do see a lot of other things. So uh, sometimes even today, God's people, maybe without thinking about it, end up wearing images of idolatry. And he'd be careful, you know, what we put on. Uh, Mo, uh, Jacob told them all, let's get all of these things out. They weren't appropriate. They might have been okay at Shechem, but they weren't going to Shechem anymore. Now they're going to the house of God. And there were a lot of things they needed to get rid of. Why Jacob needed the house of God gives us a good picture, I think, of why we need the house of God. Why don't we go to church? What do we need from church? What does it mean to us? I heard about a couple who were going home from church uh, one day, and the wife asked the husband, did you see what that Johnson girl did to her hair? And the husband kind of looked at her and said, no, honey, I, I, I didn't notice. Well, did you, did you see that dress that that new lady, Mrs. Davis, was wearing? Do you think that was appropriate for somebody that's married and has two children? And the husband said, "Well honey, i'm I'm sorry, but I didn't notice what dress she was wearing." And the wife explained rather indignantly, "A lot of good it does you to go to church. <laughs> well, church in the fashion show, amen, that's not what we go for. We're not there to notice what everybody else is wearing or whatever when we go to the house of God, it's because... We're going to meet with the God of the house of God, El Bethel. That's a great, great thing that Jacob did in this passage. The God of the house of God. And so it shouldn't surprise us that our first uh, concept that we'll present out of these passages is, is that we need Bethel because we experience the presence of God there. It's what it's all about. And verse 9 says, God appeared unto Jacob again when he came out of Padanaram and blessed him. And God said unto him, Thy name is Jacob, but thy name shall not be called any more Jacob. You're Jacob, but not anymore. Israel shall be thy name. And he called his name Israel. And God said unto him, let me introduce myself. That's not what he said. I'm God Almighty, he said. Be fruitful and multiply, a nation, and a company of nations shall be of thee, and kings shall come out of thy loins. And the land which I gave Abraham and Isaac to thee, I will give it, and to thy seed after thee will I give the land. And God went up from him in the place where he talked with him. So Jacob comes to Bethel, and the very first thing he did was to build an altar. He didn't buy any property. He didn't transact any business. There's no indication that he even put down a tent peg before he erected an altar unto the Lord and established a place then of worship and sacrifice where he could meet with God at El Bethel, the God of the house of God. And sure enough, God came to Jacob there. And he works, you see, in a special way in the house of God. Now, I can tell you very emphatically tonight that I've experienced the presence of God in a lot of places. Uh, I've had some wonderful times at Bog Springs, but I kind of count that as one of the houses of God because we have so many churches that come together together. And uh, I don't say we're forming a big church down at uh, Bog Springs, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying uh, it's kind of an extension of all the churches that gather together there. Uh, I've I've preached at some conferences along the way, different places, uh, revival meetings. But I'm going to tell you something. Uh, There's some special things that happen among God's people when we gather together at God's house. We experience His presence there in a personal way. How do we know that? Because Jesus promised it. Matthew chapter 20, 18 and verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name. There am I in the midst of them. And I didn't put down. Uh, how he reiterated that promise. In Matthew chapter 28. After he gave us the great commission. And lo he said. I'm with you always. I'm with you always. In the first chapter of the book of Revelation. Jesus introduced himself as moving among the lampstands. And those lampstands, he said, represented the seven churches. And in his right hand were the seven stars, the pastors uh, of the seven, the messengers of the seven churches. And Jesus was moving among them all. He wanted us to remember and understand that he has promised that when we gather together, he would meet among us. And he does, he's here tonight. When we gather together in the name of Jesus for praise and prayer and worship, it's not a casual thing with us. It is a vital thing to us. I kind of think that we don't take this illustration too far, but I, I kind of think we're like batteries. Uh, we have spiritual power living in us through the Spirit of God, but when we come together in corporate worship, uh, it kind of charges my batteries. Gets me ready to go out and live for Jesus throughout the rest of the world. And we need that. We need to be refreshed and revitalized for living and witnessing and shining for Jesus in this world of spiritual darkness and apathy. And that's one of the things I pray for. Every time we come together, Lord, let us experience your presence and power in a way that you know we need. That's not the way I would like because if I had my brothers, uh, Jesus would just show up every time we got together and come walking in, you know. Uh, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. That doesn't mean he's not here. We know he is. For Jacob, there were some wonderful things that happened. He got a new revelation of the person of God, first of all. Jacob is growing to the point where he understands that it's not just the place that's important, it's the God that makes that place important 301 Bill Foster Memorial Highway that's here has really no importance at all unless the presence and power of God is moving here it is the presence the person the power of God that makes this place special now I know that we've all I got some wonderful memories here and we have a certain fondness and affinity for a place but let's remind ourselves that when it comes to the house of God it's the fact that God is in the house that makes the place special and that's exactly what Jacob received here he got a new experience with the presence of God he also gave him a new revelation of his power remember he had changed his name to Israel long before this, but now he reiterates that promise and reminds him of the power of God that is at work in his life. Yes, you were Jacob, but you're not going to be Jacob anymore. You're going to be Israel. And his life was going to be involved in living that out every time in a new and a fresh way. So God gives him then an affirmation of his promise to him. Though 10 years have passed since God Since that wrestling match. And God had revealed to him his new names. The ten years have not diminished the plans and purposes of God. There's been a detour along the way. We remember what happened at Shechem. We remember how Jacob kind of got off track. We remember the difficulties that he had. But isn't it good to be able to look in a passage like this and say, When he gets back to Bethel, God is right there with him. And picking right up with him where he left off. We might get off track, but when we get back to Bethel, God's there waiting for us, and he's there to remind us that though we might have taken a detour, his plans for our life, his purposes for our life have not changed. His promise is still sure, and the detours and the struggles we've had have not changed that at all. Jacob needed to get back to Bethel, and that's exactly where God had sent him. And when he got back to the house of God, he got a fresh revelation of the person of God. He got a new revelation of the power of God and an affirmation of the promise of God. The second thing that you see then in in this passage is that at Bethel, not only... Uh, Did he have that uh, new experience with God's person? A new encounter, personal encounter with God. But he also experienced God's preparation. We see this as we see the things that begin to happen once Jacob got back to Bethel. There's a part of us that believes that, you know, when we've taken a detour, especially along the way, maybe we got off track, got away from God, got out of church for a while. We tend to think then, when we get back to church, that everything is going to be great, that our problems are all going to go away. Surely the reason that God was bringing Jacob back to Bethel was so that his life would be incredibly blessed from then on. That's not the story of this passage. Don't get me wrong, I'm not telling you tonight. That getting back in church is not something that you shouldn't do. Or it's not an incredible and important decision for you to make. Because it is. God honors that. But I want us to see. Remember, this was God's idea for Jacob. That Jacob, it's time for you to go back to Bethel. He sent him there. And let's see why. First of all, we see a time of personal surrender. Look at it in verse 14. Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him. That's God, even a pillar of stone. And he poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured oil thereon. And Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him Bethel. Drink offering. That had, <laughs> excuse me, a particular correlation in the New Testament. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul said, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. See, Paul did not say, I will be poured out as a drink offering, but I am already being poured out as a drink offering. You say, how did that symbolize personal consecration? I'm not going to do it. But if I were to pour this water out on the ground, two things are going to happen. Number one, Wilma would fuss about it. And number two, once it's poured out, you can't ever, ever gather it all back up again. Most especially once it hits the ground. When it's poured out, whatever's poured out is poured out. And when they poured something out as an act of worship, remember when David was in battle and he was thirsty, All oh, that I had a drink from the well. And his men then heard him say that. And those mighty men of David immediately ran over and fought their way through it, great peril to their life, and got him a drink out of the well and brought it to him. And what did David do with it? He poured it out on the ground. If I'd have been one of his mighty men, I might would have been a little aggravated. King, we risked our life to get that to you. David said, no, I can't drink that. People risk their life for that. This is something then that has to be given to the Lord. I can't take it. That's what he was saying. Has to be consecrated to the Lord. So when Jacob brought his family together and he performed that ritual of the drink offering, it was a ritual of consecration. He was saying to his God and to his family, it's time for us to get serious. About our dedication to the Lord. When it came to the drink offering. Whatever it is they poured out. They poured it all out. If they had a gallon of oil. They poured out a gallon of oil. If they had a cup of wine. They poured out a cup of wine. They didn't keep part of it back to themselves. They poured it all out. It was a drink offering. That Mary brought to Jesus when she broke the alabaster box and poured it out all on him. She gave it all. She gave it all to Jesus. One of the greatest issues in all of our lives as believers in Christ is how much of our life we're going to give to him and how much we're going to try to keep for ourselves. Consecration. That's a big thing we get at the house of God. Second thing that you see is that God prepared him not only for personal consecration and called him to that, but he also prepared him for the sorrow that was to come. They journeyed from Bethel and there was but a little way to come to Ephrath and Rachel travailed and she had hard labor, you remember Rachel. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto to her, fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was in departing, for she died, that she called his name Benoni, but his father called him Benamine, Benjamin. And Rachel died, and she was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. We might think that getting back to God and consecrating, dedicating our life to him would keep us from experiencing the sorrowful times, but it doesn't. What it does do though, is prepare us for the times that are to come. Uh, pastor Jerry Vines, who for many years was a pastor at First Baptist Church down in Jacksonville, Florida, a uh, tremendous man of God. He told the story of his tenure as the pastor of a small country church in Alabama while he was going to seminary many years before. Like most churches were back in those days, they were left unlocked during the week. It had a basement where the pastor's study was. And he heard somebody come in, the door opened. He heard the footsteps going across uh, the auditorium. And so being the pastor, he went upstairs to see who it was. And he was surprised when he got up there to find a full Alabama state trooper in uniform, bowed low at the altar of that church. That's what this is, by the way. Uh, that's what we call it, the, the altar. Bowed at the altar and weeping. He said, I went up to him and asked him what was wrong. And the trooper said, he said, he'd never forget it. Preacher, my mama's dying, and I'm not right with God. Sorrow is going to come, but woe to the person. When sorrow finds us And we're not right with God You see it's a tribute To the providence And the power of God That he got Jacob out of Shechem Before his wife died Got him back to the house of God Before he lost his wife There had been sorrow before Deborah the maid of his mother Had passed away The woman who helped raise him He had lost her Then there was a tragedy to come. Verse 21, then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder and it happened when Israel dwelt in the land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine and Israel heard about it. Now the sons of Jacob were 12. The word concubine in the scripture refers to what is known as a secondary wife. Jacob and Bilhah, who was Rachel's maid, had at least two sons together, and she was considered to be his wife, though she did not have all of the legal privileges that Rachel and Leah would have. That's the best way I have to explain what a concubine was. But she was very much considered his wife. The terrible affair then between Reuben and Bilhah would have been like salt poured in the wound of Rachel's death. He lost Rachel. And then he lost Bilhah to an affair with his own son. You know, as believers living in a sin-cursed world, sometimes we experience some very bad things. And sometimes believers do very bad things to other believers. I've seen Christians and their families suffer through terrible crimes. Murder, yeah. Abuse, yes. Theft, all kinds. Robbery, embezzlement. It's a terrible thing for Reuben and Bilhah to come together as they did. But again, I can thank God that God got Jacob out of Shechem and got him back in church, back to the house of God, before he had to go through that terrible tragedy, double tragedy of losing both Rachel and Bilhah. There was more to come. Verse 28, now the days of Isaac were 180 years, and Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, being old and full of days, and his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. So in a relatively short time, Jacob lost the woman who helped raise him, that was Deborah. He lost his beloved wife, Rachel. He lost his secondary wife, Bilhah. He buried his father. Jacob had no way of knowing what was about to happen in his life. But God knew. God knew. And God knew that this was not something that Jacob needed to deal with out of Shechem. Isolated from him and his people. Far removed from the house of God. Living more in the world than he was living for God. That was not the condition that he needed to be in. Considering what was to come. God never promised to keep these things from happening to us. In fact, He promised just the same, just the opposite. In the world, He said, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. God says, I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. Isn't that a precious promise? Amen. I'll never leave you, nor forsake you. But all sometimes we leave Him, don't we? Sometimes we leave Him out. And we do so because we forget how much we need Him. But I'm glad to be able to tell you tonight that God never forgets how much we need Him, even if we forget how much we need Him. And it is sometimes His providence maybe all the time his providence that brings that heavy hand of conviction down on our heart to tell us so plainly you need to get back in church you need to get your family back in church you need to get in the house of God it's time Not so that everything that comes after that is going to be all blessings and no pain, no. Sometimes it's because God knows what's to come. And we need the support of the church family. We need the regular help that comes from our encounters with the Holy Spirit as we're empowered by Him. This is a great passage of scripture here tonight and I've just touched on it just a little bit I'm out of voice, so I'm going to quit. But I'll leave it with that simple command. Go to Bethel. Go to Bethel. Because believers need the house of God. Let's stand together, please.